The In-Depth Podcast with Richard Harding. Welcome along to the latest In-Depth Podcast from Ireland FM. And I'm very pleased to welcome Vic and Kate Groves, whose daughter Sarah was murdered in Kashmir in April 2013. Thanks very much for joining us on this podcast. Thank you for inviting us. It's our pleasure, Richard. Now, to start with, uh, for those who didn't know Sarah personally, uh, what was she like? Can you tell me a, a bit about her life? Um, Sarah was, she was a perfectly lovely girl. She was never unkind, always caring, and she would always make time for anyone who needed help from her. Um, she was incredibly funny, wasn't she, Vic? Oh, yeah, she was... Um, Incre- uh, uh, yeah. She was just... A sense yeah. of humour was fantastic. Um all in all, she was an absolute joy. Yes, she was. She never swam against the tide. No. And she had friends coming out of her ears. Uh, I mean, what she what was were her, her interests? And Fitness. Art. Art, yes. Yeah. She and she was an art. adventurer. She, she, she did like to um, explore and, 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 and unfortunately take risks. Um, she was a risk taker. And, and even before... This episode, she'd she'd had one or two near squeaks in various places, um, and um, she was a fun-loving, life-loving girl. Uh, somebody, frankly, who didn't have enemies, and this is no, why she didn't. It, this is why it, it, it's uh, her character changed out of all proportion once she got to Kashmir um, and to India, frankly, and. Uh, we in could what see respect? well her character changed didn't it we we sensed that she was um she was becoming she, a little less outward going she seemed to be controlled and, yes. and 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 not able to express herself in the way that she had as a person up Always to the age of 24 girl, been she? able to do up to that time she'd been fantastically outward going and happy-go-lucky and always smiling and laughing but oh, she was yeah. definitely more restrained there was something going something, on something definitely yeah can you describe the events that led up to her to her murder? I mean, the um, I, I think probably her wish to go travelling was born in Jersey, in Guernsey, wasn't it? Out of one. Well, she two, had a heartbreak here, so she decided that, that it she was time it. to do her travelling. And I, 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 I really was worried about her travelling alone, um, but because she she. She'd never, she, as Vic says, she'd never had any any confrontational problems in her life. I I just thought she would, please God, you know, she would get by. Um, and when I did try to prevail upon her not to go, she um, she said, "Please, Mummy, don't try and stop me. I, I, I've just got to go and get, you know, go away for a while." But I think, I think. You know, the young people here are so privileged in the fact that it's it's safe. Mm. And safe could Sarah could go out at the weekend. I mean, she worked in the town bar. Um, but before that, <coughs> she could go out at the weekend. And, um, and she could walk down the street and go from venue to venue... In sake, she just felt so safe. Yes, and people I, are very fortunate here, aren't they? They yeah. are, but it gives them a false sense of security yeah. yes. when they go out into this 
There is a horrible world out yeah. there. That's a beautiful world, but it, there are some horrible people in this world. So, so many so, Guernsey people are ill-prepared for that. Well, she absolutely. was not... Pre- she was so... She had been educated in the UK, and she'd been to a year at uh, Chelsea College here, of yes. Art. Um, so she she wasn't completely wet behind the ears when it came to that. Um, but she did go off on her own, and she initially went to Goa. Um, and... Um, Initially, everything seemed fine. Um, she met other young people of like mind. Um, mainly, it seemed young girls at that point from, yes. from Europe. Um, we we met one of them over the internet, so to speak, um, Skype. Uh, a German girl on one occasion, and we've met, uh, we've come across, we've spoken, haven't yeah, we, to yeah. a few. Yeah, and then she met this fellow, uh, <coughs> this chap, and um, the. Um, it was a slippery slope. That was the beginning of the end. Downwards ever, from that moment on, really. And she was lured by him um, to go and visit him and his parents on their houseboat in, in, in on Dal Lake in Kashmir, in Srinagar in Kashmir. Um, and well, she we succumbed to a lot of persuasion and oh, she, yeah. pressure. But we did. She? We pl- We applied a lot of pressure. I mean, we we actually. They, did a huge amount of research, didn't we? And yes. we bombarded her probably too much in a way because once one's mind is made up, it takes a lot of persuading to go the other way. And, and, and we, we did lambast her with, oh, with Foreign oh, Office no. advice. With yes. uh, um, Ben wrote a long email ben, which uh, was quoting Al-Qaeda and how they treat women and in that part of the world, which is very, very Islamic. And not that there's anything wrong with being Islamic. No, not, but it is, you have to abide by their by code their culture, up there. Yes. And that was what she was moving into. Um, and she went. Um, and she was there for two months before the tragedy happened. And it was in those two months that we did detect uh, a difference in her tone and in her character. It's a very difficult place to, to have normal communications with. We didn't really have too many... Um, some open, sensible conversations with her because circumstances didn't permit either there wasn't the internet or there was always someone else around seemingly listening in or, or influencing what she was and she wasn't able whisper, to Yeah, she to would say. whisper down the phone to say she couldn't talk at that point and she would try to ring when she could. But, um, so you could tell something wasn't something right. Something was yeah. definitely not right. And then things sort of hit a new low when, um, not as low as they eventually got, unfortunately, but um, when, when, when we realised that she'd siphoned off some money and paid over some money into of her, her own, boyfriend's £6,000 yeah. of her, her own premium bond-type money into his account. Um and um, that is a huge amount of money in that part of the world where the the Indian national living minimum wage at that point was 35p a day or something and, and here was £6,000 going over which was you know more than most people would see in a lifetime up there. So we were very, very worried about that. Um, and um, And then we had this limited amount of conversa- uh, contact with her uh, and th- and then all of a sudden, it all came to an end, didn't it? Mm. Um, broken by a, a horrific phone call very in early, early in the morning, five thirty, five forty in the morning, earlier, yeah. um, straight from Kashmir. Um, very brusque, very to the point. Who, who spoke to you? A, a senior police guy, uh, in broken English. Um, very straight, gruff, though. Very gruff. Change. Straight to the point. No messing. What had happened. Um, what, what did he say? What he said, uh, well, he wanted to make sure he was speaking to me 
And I said, yes. He said, well, your daughter, Mr. Groves, she's dead. She's been murdered. We've got the man who who did it. Um, and that was more or less it. I, 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 stony silence, obviously, and then gather my thoughts. Um, and then really a retort from me back saying, well, we've got to verify this. Please give us your number, um, so on and so forth. And then it went from there, calling the local police, getting them involved, getting them to verify it. It took about two hours to verify it. And really from that point on, we were just in a state of shock and on our own here um, as a family, no more, no incomplete. No, you know, we, we, we were a broken family and um, we just had to somehow cope with the devastation that this, this brought. And that was 2,438 days ago. Now, that's since the trial started, so it's a bit more than that. Mm. But it's 2,000 and over 2,500 days now it's since that happened. seven years. It's, it's the ultimate horror for any parent. Um, I'm a parent myself, and I just can't imagine anything worse than, than that news. No. So, so what happened next after that? We, 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 we had the news confirmed by the police, um, and then they said they'd appoint a, a liaison officer who we got to know the next day. But you then faced with all the housekeeping issues. You know, you've got to let people know. You can't have them. We we had to somehow let the media know in a controlled fashion, but we couldn't let them know before other people knew. Um, and that was um, a pretty difficult thing to do because we had so many people we needed to tell um, that we couldn't go into detail. We couldn't past time of day, small talk or anything, it had to almost be as brusque as the guy who'd phoned us in the first place, saying, you know, I'm sorry you know, to tell you this and it'll be out in the media, because it was all over the media anonymously, um, on the internet in particular. Um, and we did find, as we spoke to people, no matter where they were in the world, they'd picked up on it through, it, through social media and, and things like that. Um, and then, of course, we had to go through all the awful things you have to go through when someone dies which is not just the emotional aspect but all the physical legal aspects of of, of bringing things to a a conclusion um and it took seven weeks i think before we could have a funeral because of various bureaucratic Sarah wasn't delays. Back to the island was she? oh she was brought back very quickly she was, was brought she? back in seven days yes um which was a very um that was a, a, an amazing achievement, actually. But there were complications, which I, I don't think it's appropriate to go into here, but there were complications. Um, and we couldn't have her body released for burial for uh, until six weeks later. Um, um, so we had a very simple funeral. We didn't tell anyone. And then we had a memorial service, which was um, quite something. Now, uh, what happened next as far as the Kashmiri justice system? And perhaps uh, we can use that term very loosely. <laughs> yes, given very what, given loosely. what's been happening, yeah. Well, they claim that their system is built on the same basis as, as the British judicial system. And it, it bears very little resemblance, does it? Not from our experience. No, the, no their system is, um, is based on, on, on a judge. Um, a prosecutor and a defence counsel. It's the equivalent of a magistrate's court where we are at the moment. Yes, but there's no jury, um, so it's all similar to the French system in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and and, and in in some countries you have two or three judges. Um, other countries you have a full jury. Here they have one judge, except it hasn't been, as we'll probably lead up to in a, in a minute, hasn't just been one judge. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, 
it started on the 3rd of June, which was exactly almost to the day, um, two days to three days short, of two months after Sarah had died. And this was a remarkable achievement because that can take a long time under uh, uh, that local system of justice. And some people refer to it as Kashmir system of justice, others the Indian, but it is more Kashmiri than, than Indian, as, as will be probably explained later when there have been politically very big changes recently to, cha- to change that particular differential. It, just to explain, it is a disputed territory between Pakistan and India, isn't it? It is, very it much so. Part, part of India. Until the 5th of August last year, it enjoyed enjoyed special status within the the states of India. Um, And that that emanates from separation. After the Second World War. After the Second World War. Yes. Yes. Um, and, And that was afforded special status yeah. and they un- made their un- own under laws. that they could make their own laws fly their own flag and control who lived there mm. there was a complete ban on outsiders going in even if you were an indian national in other parts of india you could not go and live in kashmir all that has now changed mm. under a law that's been brought in in the last six eight months and mm. that should help us because mm. it means our government uh, and, and i say our in the loosest sense of I mean, we do involve the local... um, The UK government. But the UK government can now liaise with the Indian government to much more effect, hopefully. Neither the the current judge, the prosecutor or defence lawyers heard the original witnesses take to the stand. So uh, would you like to see those witnesses recalled before the current judge? And, you know, is that likely to happen? We've been fighting for that, Richard, for quite a long time now, haven't we? relentlessly and and Mm. you have to put a bit of background in here um we are technically on the side of the prosecution um if we our lawyer who is our legal representative he, he 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 attends the hearings it's not possible to influence matters to any great extent but he's our eyes and ears on the ground um in theory he represents the prosecution and if he was going into the court, he would have to stand beside the prosecutor, not beside the defence counsel. So we want to have them recalled, but getting them recalled has to be initiated by either the judge or by the defence counsel. Now, so far, we're on the fourth judge, we're on the eighth def- prosecutor, and we're on the sixth defence counsel. And my argument and Kate's argument, our argument, and everyone that's batting with us effectively is that no matter who uh, is guilty, no matter um, what the truth is, the people currently in charge of this case cannot possibly, especially if you add in the poor quality of the documentation and the fact that there was a there was just no cross examination whatsoever first time around, they cannot be fully acquainted with the true true situation that happened as far as these key witnesses are concerned. They're in conflict with each other. There are misrepresentations, and it is our view that the current jurisdiction if we can use that word in terms of the case should hear hear it for themselves and we're trying to get that happened if the case continues in its current form which is debatable because at the moment it's going nowhere could you just explain where richard devitt fits into the story and uh, where sarah's boyfriend is involved yes sarah uh, was living on the houseboat with the family and um, and was, was this a, a, a Kashmiri family or Kashmiri family? Yes, they have a houseboat. They make their living for it. They live on a in a shed on the ground at the back, 
or in another boat that's moored alongside called a donga. Um, but the guests are on the main houseboat, misnomered uh, house, uh, new beauty. Um, but it it's not wasn't new and it wasn't beautiful. But, um, and that is where Sarah was, in theory, but trying to keep it quiet with the boyfriend because it was not the thing to do in that part of the world. Okay, which is one of the big question marks over it. Um, and uh, that that's the physical layout of the of the thing. Richard DeWitt had been, as as we've established, been touring in Nepal. He'd come into India ten days beforehand, and he had gone to houseboat X, another one. He'd been accosted, or as a very obvious European, uh, and and our, uh, on a, on New Beauty, there was Sarah, and a European, and so on and so forth. He was approached to transfer and come and stay on on with them, which he didn't do to start with because he'd paid for a week, and he wanted to see that week out. And, and then he got on, on very well with the uh, house yeah. boat owner where he was. Yes, who gave some very striking evidence actually of how 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 integrated and normal and how he how he he would take know. tea with the owners of the other house yeah, wouldn't yeah. He? he would yes he was very very <clears throat> you know gentle in his assessment of, of Richard DeWitt he's, he's also Richard DeWitt would be very conspicuous because almost without exception the people the local people are swarthy and and quite quite short in height and Richard DeWitt is almost seven foot tall and white, Caucasian, so so he would stand out very much. But did he, but he, he did, become he did friends come, with... He did come on on the Wednesday, so, he yeah. came on board. Mm. And yes, he did, and, and he lent Sarah his camera uh, when she went off to a mosque on the Friday. Um, hers had run out of batteries, and, and, and he called her a nice girl, and Sarah would make him what they called chai, uh, their equivalent of tea. It's a milky tea, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and, um, and, and uh, the implication was that um, they got on very well. Um, they, he speaks very good English, so so it was um, it was um, uh, you know it was good for both of them really to have someone else there who who was speaking English. But um, that's how he came to be there. Um, I mean, the irony of all this is, and and we we still pinch ourselves sometimes that it that it's happened. It is the number of times we've met him, we we've talked to him, and we've actually got recorded interviews with him, and so on and so forth of our own. What, what do the uh, Kashmiri authorities think happened with him? They haven't shared that. They haven't shared that thinking with us. Well, they think that he. He, they can only, I presume. We don't know why he went into her room. We don't know why her bedroom door was smashed down. It didn't need to be smashed down because it was a sliding door and, and, and the catch was very easily slipped. But um, it's um, a mystery as to exactly what happened. But Sarah was had 46, 45 officially wounds on her. Um, a lot of them were superficial, but nonetheless, they were stab wounds. Um, and... Um, he then, regardless of whether he did it or not, he tried to make an escape. Um, it wasn't a particularly successful escape. He capsized in the little boat that he was trying to get away in. Um, he had to wade his way or swim. It would be swim because it was at least two metres deep, we reckon, the water at that point, um, at that time of year. Uh, had to swim about 75 y yards, probably less because he got halfway, but um, not necessarily in the right direction in the little boat, um, and got to shore wet and bedraggled and then found his way into town 
and and secured a seat in a taxi trying to make go to a place called Jammu, which is the only way out of, of, of the town, of the city. Um, and he was arrested halfway between the two cities, really, or, or a long way down the line, 75K or 70K down the line, um, because the police, um, bureaucratic India, logged everything. They had the number of the taxi driver and so on and so forth. Um, and that that's really the story of how he got arrested. But there was no, there was nothing on him. There was no blood um there was nothing to t- there's nothing on the knife that ties the actual attack directly to him um uh, and so on and so forth the family didn't erase the alarm with the police for well over two hours and it was well over three three and a half hours before the police arrived on the scene after we estimate sarah had died so there's time for tampering time for manipulation mm. time for all sorts of i mean corruption. could he have been coming to her rescue rather yes. than been coming to her rescue yeah. he yes. could have gone out of fear he could have done anything mm. um, but in india fleeing the scene of a crime is viewed as a very serious matter mm. uh, a crime in its own right um, and um, and he's been in jail ever since. Now the 178th. It's unbelievable to say that 178th scheduled hearing was due to have held been held on Saturday. It couldn't go ahead. Um, the judge was unavailable, sitting in the High Court. The jury couldn't get there because of snow. Yes, e- every yes. time there is what seem to be absurd uh, reasons, bizarre reasons for the trial. Not going ahead. How, how does this make you feel? Well, well, just a small correction. There's no, there isn't a jury, but the the, the witnesses didn't witnesses. get there. Um, yes. the, there was a bit of bad weather in the area, um, but that's just one of. I mean, I, I have totted it out. There's 140 of those hearings have been wasted, mm. and the reasons in many cases fatuous, aren't they, Katie? Oh, terribly. Um, yes. You know, like uh, witnesses not appearing, like Richard DeWitt uh, firing his. Um, council and that lost us probably the best part of a year in total before he got them replaced and unless you've got all the components in place the, the case the court can't convene and, and hear the case um, and this is going to go on I think because as more and more time goes by the witnesses are a little bit more hard to to locate they're they're, they're they're probably not treating it with quite the level of importance that they would have if it had been hot off the press so to speak um, and in some cases they've been completely lost. Their whereabouts are not known, including one or two key witnesses. Now, we were talking earlier uh, before the podcast that uh, my, my son was a very good friend, in fact, former boyfriend of, of Grace Millane, um, who was murdered in tragic. New Zealand. Um, she, uh, it was a very tragic circumstances, but the justice there was swift. The, the Prime Minister, Lucinda Arden, spoke out immediately about how shocked the people of New Zealand were about what happened. Mm. Justice was swift, and uh, as to the extent that there can be closure for the parents, it's a terrible word, but it, it, it was there. And it's the polar opposite uh, of your experience. So, you know, yes. how, what, how do you feel about that? Well, we were full of admiration for the New Zealand Prime Minister by the way she handled that situation. And she was very clearly determined to find the culprit. And indeed, it, it, it was effective. But, um, but that's a far cry from anything we've experienced, we, isn't we, it? We, we have it, tried every which way to we have. influence the way this case has been handled, either in the way the... I mean, bear in mind things we haven't touched on. Most of the exhibits have been lost. 
nearly all the evidence is, is not around anymore. Um, stuff that, that should be made available to us has never been made available to us. Um, the videography of the scene is, is a court order out that we should have it, but nobody, no one can find it. Um, and we have, we have as, as I say, tried every which way to, to, to influence the, the, the legal people in uh, London, Delhi, Kashmir, um, the diplomatic people in the same places, in the government forces in the same places, as well as the states of Guernsey, who probably in all of this have been the best. Um, and um, we we have never had any formal acknowledgement back in writing. It's a one-way street of everything that goes out from us, letter after letter after letter. And, um, and we haven't been able to influence it one little bit. So the fact, I mean, just to put perhaps into perspective how different it is out there the person who at the time was the chief minister uh, a, a lady called Mabuba or became the chief minister Mabuba Mufti um, she's the equivalent of, of, of Gavin St. Pierre effectively but only on a much bigger scale um, uh, he, she is now under house arrest and has been under house arrest since the 5th of August when they changed the political landscape mm-hmm. of India. For purely political reasons. For yes. political reasons. And she's not alone. Um, and and the point is, what, what I'm really saying is there, that there was nobody championing like the Prime Minister of New Zealand, nobody who ever picked the, up the mantle and said, we must make a statement about this. We must express our concerns a in terms of sympathy for the family and b in terms of the way the whole process is being handled nobody at any point has ever come back to us and said anything of that nature which would have given us some hope but we haven't ever had that hope because we've known for a very long time that it just isn't possible to change what is a very very unworkable and system of justice that's not fit for purpose is there any way the case could get transferred elsewhere? Um, I don't know, the International Criminal Court in The Hague or, or anything like that? Well, there is a there is a structure to the Indian legal system. Um, I mean, one up from where we are is, is a high court, local high court. Um, and then you go to Delhi, where um, even under the old system, cases had to be ratified in the Supreme Court in, in Delhi. Mm. It's based on the, the British legal system, yes. isn't it? Yeah. In that sense, yeah. yes. Um, and, and, and that's the way they hear appeals, and that's how they check the validity and the veracity of the, of the case that's been held in the lower court, so to speak. It would be wonderful if we could get it moved to a higher court. And all I think we can say at this point is that we are still trying in that to, to achieve something of that kind. We don't know. Given the fact that we've never had feedback the other way, it's very difficult to put any odds on it. You have been meticulous and assiduous in keeping us in the media informed of the what, lack of progress in the case. How confident are you of ever getting justice for Sarah? And, and you know, why do you carry on fighting? Some may say that, that you know, don't you want to closure to, to, you know, realise that this is a terrible situation, but... Yes. You know, how, how, do you, how do you feel? How do Some you cope with it? Some people do say that to us. Um, and understandably, if I, objectively, I can understand their reasons for doing so. But, but when it's, it's your precious 
child and no matter how old, no matter, you know, she's 24 years old, but she, and she's called a woman oh. in the media, but she was a girl to me. And, um, and the love that she brought, the joy she brought into our lives, we can't, I, 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 I can't let her down. I can't walk away. Nothing, you know, and if anything, all this rebuttal has only served to make me specifically stronger mm. and more determined that I will. Uh, yes, I, I will, will as well. And, and follow this now, to I, the unfortunately, end. I've mislaid the names in my mind, but I read something this morning, only this morning, that came over the wires about um, a, an effectively a cold case in the UK that has just been opened up. Um, the TV presenter who had a somebody die in his swimming pool. Oh yes, uh, Michael Barrymore. Yeah, yes. and and Lubbock, yes. the guy. Yes. yes. Um, the police have just reopened the case. They have been absolutely clear in their thinking that one of the seven people at the party murdered Stephen Lubbock. Hmm. Is it Stephen Lubbock? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, and they have now they are now investigating and trying to find out which one of those seven people were guilty. Now that goes back way beyond even our case, way beyond. There's no way we can give up. When when we think that Sarah has given up her life, particularly while there is a case going on, which is one of the, you know, the policeman was delighted when he first phoned me and said, we've got the man who did it. But to me, that was the worst thing that could have happened. I'd rather they'd have kept an open mind. Mm. They decided it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and all the evidence then got destroyed, um, either uh, through complete lack of forensics or people trampling all over the scene. We've got crime scene photos that carelessness that have been, they lost that... so much. I think it is a terrible reflection on the Indian government that no one, as you say, Prime Minister of New Zealand, stood up for Grace Mullane. We have had here in the island. People standing up for us. Jonathan Latoc has been a, a stalwart. Rory Hardy is is he stands shoulder to shoulder with us. If he could ever help us, you know he we know he will. Um, and yeah, and to an extent, the British government, but really the Foreign Office. I think they've just issued platitudes. Yeah. And I think I think not one not one. Um, official in the Indian government has ever it w- has ever made contact to to no extend their, no, no. Their, their condolences no. or intention to no. to find the, one of the, the problems real is the passage of time. We've got seven years now, nearly, and there's lack, a lack of continuity. We had a continuity at the Foreign Office, but it ceased um, about eight, last year sometime, I think it was, maybe 18 months ago. And um, and he, he'd been with us for over five years. Um, and he was just able to maybe move things a little bit more positively. He he did take it on board that it was a serious situation. He, he felt it personally. But he moved on. The replacement has been... Um, nice chap and all the rest of it but full of platitudes and we have got nowhere since that person's been appointed we had wonderful support in India uh, when we first went over there Um, the the times I went up um, we were accompanied on three or four of those occasions by again people that are no longer there and also then we were 
barred from talking direct to India. We, were, we had to talk through London. So we lost our direct contact into the Indian High Commission in Delhi. Mm. We were accompanied on, on many occasions by excellent people from the Foreign Office who, who are no longer there. Mm. Um, and we're not allowed anymore to talk to them, unfortunately. So we've lost all those contacts. So again, um, we haven't had the lucky breaks in that sense. But we've had other lucky breaks where we have been able to get plugged into people and we're now on a bit of a roll because Brexit is kind of out of the way. They can't have that at the British government as an excuse anymore to... Because every department was eaten up with it. There wasn't any... No bandwidth left. No. no. It was just absolutely unbelievable how, how, how everything else got brushed aside. We've had four, I think, uh, foreign secretaries. We've had three or four prime ministers, well, with, with three prime ministers. We've had three general elections. Um, now, all these are behind us. Um, Boris is in there with a nice majority now in mm. a positive frame of mind. Uh, and it is just possible that through one or two fortuitous circumstances, we can plug in much more positively to the British government over the next few weeks. And well, Michael what... Gove has just said that there's now no, room, no place to hide. They've got to be responsible for, for what they do. So hopefully that will be the case let's hope and pray (laughs) so so moving on two more positive things um to tell me more about the sarah gross foundation and and the fundraising and charitable activities that have been uh, done in her name including incidentally our very own james bentley is going to be taking part in the tour de says yes that's good news uh josh did it last year yes uh last time josh gabriel yeah yes and um yeah it's good to have him along so yeah the it's it's really building up momentum, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite a long-term it. programme, that one. It's September 2021. A lot of fundraising. Um, last one raised over 150000 for the foundation. Um, I think we can match that this time. What what does the foundation do? <laughs> What's the raison d'etre? We have a motive. Uh, our, our theme is enhancing young lives. It's tied into our constitution that what we do has to be for children, effectively. Children or young people up to the age of, I don't know, 18 or 21, it's it's a little bit loose. But um, fundamentally, if it doesn't involve young people, we can't, constitutionally, we we can't get involved. Um, So, hence the Christmas bikes, for example, we gave... Which is dear to my heart. 28, 29 Christmas bikes out uh, in conjunction with various social services um, bodies who were in touch with the families that most needed them. Um, And we've done that for four years now and we'll do it again next year. Um, And, of course, we support Homestart. There's three drop-in centres here, Um, mother and toddler, or parent and toddler, totally free at the point of delivery, uh, totally supported and funded by the Sarah Groves Foundation. Um, and that, that I think, there's 311 families involved in that, as we wow. last spoke. <laughs> That's terrific. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, and then we've, what else? Oh, the library, of The course. library is the big one. Yes, the, yes, the Sarah Groves room. I've seen that oh. at the Gilorley. Lovely. It's yes. lovely, yes. and it's so popular. Yes. And, yeah, and we're hoping that we've got another project at the library um, coming up this year. Because we, yeah, we'd much rather get involved with that type of yes. thing. Yes, 
Yes, and uh, music for school, uh, art for schools. Well, art for schools is the big one that's coming art. through now yes. with David Ummels, and he, he's now we're now getting formally linked into that. Art. We've got four buzzwords: um, children, art, fitness, and adventure, which are sort of themes behind everything. And one of Sarah's loves was art, and. Um, David Ummels, who's an incredible chap, who's really put art on the map as far as Guernsey is concerned. Um, he he wanted m- us to be involved, and I said, "Well, David, we can be involved because you know Sarah's art is something that we are very proud of and want mm. to be um, perpetuated." It's a lovely legacy, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it is. but but yeah. we can't get yes. involved with things that are not involved with children. So yes. he's now put together a program involving schools. Um, directly involving schools and exhibitions involving school children and so on and so forth. It's written only this week, yesterday, in fact, and asked for um, support, which I'm very supportive of because some of the other things that we've been associated with on 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 an ad hoc basis have actually faded away and we're not involved with anymore. So we do have a little bit of surplus funds there um, to, that we can direct in, in that kind of direction. And I think it's great because it, it, it meets all the criteria. It, it, it's, it's an ongoing thing. Um, we don't like supporting things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah. Preserving the legacy of yeah. Sarah, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, it, and so this is a nice long-term venture. It's in the sphere of art the sphere of art and it's also um for children and 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 that's brilliant so that's the sort of stuff um and um we have great support from the likes of gary hooks and leon howard and sue farnham and people like that who are part of a team now who almost dedicate their lives fundraising wise to to i mean there's an everest challenge going on at the moment the val de terre 115 Circuits, circuits yes. round, oh. um, and and that's raised. That's been that, yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah, that's raised terrific. fifteen thousand pounds this month. Fantastic. You know. um, so um, those funds are available, and the money raised in Guernsey, Richard. This is an important point. Uh, is spent in Guernsey. We do raise money off island. In fact, we have historically raised a lot of money off island, which is of great satisfaction because we feel free to use that money in in other ways but if money is raised here in Guernsey it's it's ring fence and it's spent here in Guernsey. Now finally Mm -hmm. uh, what are your fondest memories of Sarah and how do you think she personally would like to be remembered? Just I feel certain that Sarah would want to be remembered just as the vivacious just loving, caring girl that she she always was, and and for a long time, it was tortuous for me, because my my mind would run over, over and over what happened to her on that fateful night. Um, but I have to I have to Block hold on. Yeah. I have to hold on to the images of her smiling face and those blue, blue eyes. I just... Mm. I, 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 we have a hate expression, gobsmacked. We, we, we really don't like that, that no. word particularly, but there have been three or four occasions where we have been gobsmacked along the way with various things that happened. But I think Sarah actually would be gobsmacked if she oh, saw she would. what was happening on her behalf and in her name. 
Yeah, I um, think she does think see. <laughs> she would be um, absolutely amazed. And uh, in terms of fondest memories, well, I've got quite a few. Um, she always wanted to get her pilot's licence before she got her driving licence, yeah. for example. And, and I used to have a little aeroplane and she could fly that thing better than the autopilot. You know, she So what was the high flyer? Uh, she was always the high flyer she was that's perfect she was yeah and um just so many little things that i can remember that um always brought joy you see i mean i've got five children we've got three between us but sarah was the only girl um and that doesn't diminish in any way from the the sons but um it did single her out as as, and the baby as and the baby as as different and someone who we I hadn't personally experienced that aspect of life before and ne- never had a little girl and it was very different and unfortunately and I, and I must say that again an enduring memory is that we did not have all those teenage problems that no. so many people have with a little girl we didn't have any of not, that nothing nothing no. nothing Vic and Kate Groves, thank you very much for joining us for the In-Depth Podcast on Island FM. Richard, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank My you, heart. Yeah. You've been listening to the In-Depth Podcast with Richard Harding.